idea of these questions, folks, is not to put you on the spot, not to make you feel uncomfortable. It's to help us interact with what we're learning from the Word of God, for us to kind of personalize it if we could during the week and bring some thoughts back uh, each Thursday that we come uh, to respond to these questions. So uh, what I'm going to do, I'm not going to, again, put you on the spot. I'm going to ask you, if you would like, to choose one of those questions that you considered last week and kind of give us your uh, reaction to them, how you responded to those. And by the way, I realize some of these questions are a little personal. Uh, They get into kind of your personal walk with the Lord. Uh, That's okay. You you can answer them generally if you want to. If you want to get more specific, that's okay as well. Listen, we all go through the same struggles. We all deal with the same sorts of things. So what you have to say here, everybody else could say as well. It's just a matter of your presenting it and vocalizing it. So somebody have an answer to one of these questions. Pick a question and kind of give us an answer you'd like to give us uh, regarding one of those questions. We talked last time about God's eternal purpose. Uh, we, God set a purpose on us, as I mentioned a minute ago, before time began. Uh, we need to remind ourselves that the work that God calls us to and the purpose God calls us to has nothing at all to do with us. It has all to do with him. And what that means is since God determined the purpose, God also takes the responsibility to come to us and reveal that purpose to us. And that's why the message tonight is called uh, God Initiates and God Completes. God does all those things. He he, he takes care of the entire situation. Uh, In Abraham's case, there were two times when God specifically interacted with him and presented his revelation revelation to him regarding his purpose. We're in Acts chapter 7. Look at verse 1. This is Stephen defending himself before the council, and they ultimately stoned him. But here's part of his uh, 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 defense is talking about Abraham's life. Verse 1, he says, Then said the high priest, Are these things so? And he said, Men, brethren, and fathers, hearken. The God of glory appeared unto our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia before he dwelt in Charon. Uh, what he's talking about there is God appearing to Abraham and presenting his purpose to him uh, way back before uh, Abraham really was that familiar with what God wanted him to do. Uh, in Genesis chapter 15, verse 7, it says, God appeared to Abraham, and here's what he said, I am the Lord that brought thee out of the earth of the Chaldees to give the, you this land to inherit it. So in both cases, both those times, uh, God presents himself to Abraham, appears to him, and gives him his purpose at that point. Now, God did that another time as well with Abraham while he was still in Haran. We'll talk about that in, in a few weeks as we continue on in this study. But the, in both times, God was the one who initiated the contact. And get a hold of that. There are no indications whatsoever in these accounts that Abraham was seeking God at that point. God was seeking Abraham at that point. And that's a pattern the scripture bears out to us. It is always God making contact with his child to reveal his purpose to him. Never do we take the first step uh, in asking God to reveal his purpose. And the reason for that is not necessarily because we don't want to know. It is simply because God is so far ahead of us. God has that thing already in his mind. He wants to reveal that plan to us. And therefore, he begins to reveal his purpose to us before we even realize that there is a purpose to fulfill. And so the pattern is God seeking us out to reveal his work, his will to us and us being open to that revelation so that when he does that, we're ready to respond to it. Now, we know very little about Abraham's life before God called him. But God's word does shed light on on some significant moments in Abraham's life when God did call him. And the scripture gives us insight into what was on God's heart when he came to Abraham. And there are two verses in, in scripture that we specifically let us know about that. They don't reference Abraham, but they apply to how God called. I want to read them to you tonight. First of all, 2 Chronicles chapter 16 and verse 9. 
Uh, here's one idea we have what God's purpose is or what God's heart is when he calls. It says, for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. Now, I want you to hear that last part again, uh, to show himself strong in behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward them. And then we have a verse in uh, uh, 1 Samuel 13, 14, when he, God is choosing David to be king, could you apply to Abraham and each of us as well. But he says there, the Lord hath sought him a man after his own heart. Now, there's a word that's used twice each time in those two verses I gave to you. What was the word that appeared in both of those verses? Heart. Heart. Uh, God focuses on a person's heart. When God calls, he's focused on your heart. And what that means is when God chooses a person for his purpose, he does so according to a person's heart. The prerequisite is that that person that God calls must have a loyal heart that is full of trust and faith in him. God's requirement is, uh, in order to use a person, that that person must love him with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. Now, God calls everyone. I should say this. God has a purpose for everyone. But God revealing that purpose and showing a person that purpose is dependent upon a person's heart attitude, where that heart is. And if a person does not have that kind of a heart, instead of obeying God, more than likely that person is going to argue with God or refuse God's plan or disobey God and ultimately stray away from God. If there is not a willing heart, the eternal purpose of God will not be accomplished in the life of that purpose, uh, person. The purpose is there. But it can't be accomplished unless that person is willing to fulfill that purpose. The only person who will fulfill God's purpose is that one who has a heart that is truly and loyal to to God himself. And that is the only person whom God will find acceptable. Now, sadly, there are many, many people in this world over the centuries whose hearts have not been true to God's expectations. There are people who have known that God was clearly speaking to them. They knew that God had a purpose for them and that God had called them and God had even begun to reveal that purpose to them. However, they struggled with laying claim, with God laying claim to that part of their lives uh, because they wanted to live out their own plans. Uh, they w- didn't want God or anyone else infringing upon the plans they had set. And so what they would do and what they do do still today is make excuses why they can't do what God has called them to do. They would argue with God, resist his direction. In reality, what they were doing is rebelling against God and against his plan for them. And so what God will do in those cases, if a person persists in resisting God when he calls them, what God will simply do is withdraw himself from them. Now, they're still saved. They're on the way to heaven. That never changes. But God withdraws in terms of his purpose and his plan for them. And eventually, that purpose, that person sees no urgency to the call of God. And eventually, God's declared purpose for them is only a memory. And I have known of folks who I believe were called by God to a ministry or to some sort of work. I believe with all my heart God called them. But they resisted and resisted and resisted until finally they never sensed the urgency of it anymore. They lost the concept because they simply chose not to hear what God had wanted to do with them and for them. And as a result, when people respond in that way, they never experience God's will for them. They never know what God's purpose was. They never know what God had for them. And they never know what God could have done with them because they've stopped God in the process. Now, if that route is taken, those people may find success. Uh, they might achieve goals they've set for themselves. They may have goals that are worldly uh, or personal goals, and they may achieve those. But the kingdom of God is impacted very little by what they achieve. 
And that's an important point. I will tell you, without knowing any of the particulars, a life lived without living according to God's purpose is a wasted life. It's a wasted life. They may achieve a great deal, but in the context of eternity, they have achieved nothing. For a believer to live a life with no impact on eternity whatsoever is a wasted life. I don't care what else they've done. (laughs) If they live without eternity in view and not impacting eternity, that life is wasted. Now, because God is merciful and because God is gracious, he may choose not to allow that to be the end of the story. That person may resist and argue with God and God pulls away, but it's very possible that at some point in time, God will come back to that person again and reveal his plan to them one more time. And in those cases, that person may succumb to the conviction of the Spirit of God as he reveals their awful resistance to him prior when he revealed his plan to them before. They may become broken before God. Uh, They may seek uh, God's mercy as they repent of that resistance and rejection of him uh, er earlier in their Christian walk. And God will hear their cry and God will forgive them and God will restore them back to himself. Now, they can never recover the years they've lost as they rebelled against him. But God will give them another opportunity to hear him and obey his voice. And if they will follow him, he'll use them as he intended to when he first called. For anybody to go through that process of resisting and resisting and then have God come one more time and respond, the only real response to that, folks, is gratitude, praising God for his mercy and his grace to them. (laughs) Because God uh, does not have to do that. He chooses to do that because he so wants his purpose fulfilled in us that he'll try one more time before he finally pulls away for good. And that person needs to have a a sense of urgency, as we talked about tonight, in obedience to him if God allows them that one more chance. Now, as you think about that scenario, that person resisting and resisting and finally giving in as God comes to them again, uh, we need to consider something. If we choose to go against God and resist God's plan, uh, God may give us a second chance. And we may respond to that second chance and follow him as he asked us to. What we also must consider is all of the souls who were lost and all of God's work that went undone while we lived in disobedience. We need to realize, folks, when we resist God's plan, eternity is affected by that. Just as eternity is affected by when we follow it, eternity is also affected when we resist it. And the work that could have been done is not done because we're being disobedient to the plan and purpose of God. The principle is this, folks. Delayed obedience is better than no obedience. And that's true. That means that anybody, if anybody delays their obedience to God, but at some point comes back to him in repentance and confesses that rebellion, God will hear and God will forgive and God will use them for his purpose just like he planned. But the time that they lost is time that can never be regained. And folks, that's even true of us. Any moment that I'm not seeking some opportunity, I'm losing an opportunity, and that can never be regained again. It's gone. Whatever opportunity I miss is an opportunity missed, and I can't regain it. I can't get it back. And there is a great peace that we'll find nowhere else when we know that we are fulfilling what God has chosen us to do. When God calls you and you fulfill that, you will have a peace like you've never known before. And those of you who have followed through on God's plan for you, you're aware of that. That peace is real and it's there. So God chooses people according to the loyalty and the obedience of the heart. But God also works on that heart to make it loyal to him. I want you to go to Philippians chapter 2 if you would. Go to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2 verses 12 and 13 are foundational to the work that we do for the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Uh, look at Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. It says that work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now watch it. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. When God saves somebody, no matter when he saved you, when he saved me, when he saves anybody, God has something particular in mind for that person. God is not just saving them to get to heaven, as wonderful as that is, and certainly that's a great benefit of knowing Jesus Christ. But God makes it clear, Paul makes it clear, rather, there is so much more to it than that. God has so much more in mind for us than just getting us to heaven. In fact, God has so much much more in mind that it caused Paul to tremble when he considered that he was in God's presence and was fulfilling God's unfolding purpose. And then Paul urges us believers to allow the fullest purpose of God to work in every area of our lives. God, Paul urges us to allow God to shape our minds in such a way that we can know his ways and know his purpose fully. Paul wants us to allow the Lord to affect our hearts and affect our emotions in such a way that they'll match everything that he reveals to us about his will and what he has for us in terms of his purpose. Paul wants us to allow God to affect our will so that we'll want to do all that he reveals to us and to do it in faith, believing, and obeying him. And we do that for two reasons. We do that because God is working in us. It is God working in us that causes us to want to do his will for him. And we do it because it is God who is working in us and enables us to do all that he's asking us to do. God starts the process by letting us know what his will is and helping us to respond to that. And then God enables us to do his will by working through us in the purpose he's called us to. God will never ask us to fulfill part of his will while at the same time not also enabling us to accomplish what he's called us to do. So many people say, well, I can't do what God's called us called me to do. You're exactly right. You've not been asked to do that. <laughs> You've been asked to be willing. If you're willing, God will do that work through you. I'll be the first one to tell you, folks, I did not have it in me to start a church from the ground up. That was not, not, it was not in me. And that's not false modesty. I truly was one, that was one of the least equipped people to do what God had called me to do. I had very little confidence when God called me that anything good could ever come out of it if I tried to do it. But I couldn't escape the fact that God was calling me to do that particular thing for whatever reason. And so when I could no longer resist, and I'm going to tell you, I resisted for a while. When I could no longer resist, I gave in to the call and moved forward with what God revealed to me that he wanted me to do. And looking back 12 years later, the only credit that I can take for what has happened is that I trusted that God would accomplish in me what he called me to do. I said, Lord, I can't do it. And God says, I don't want you to do it. Just allow me to do it through you. And that's the only credit I can take. So when I could no longer resist, I gave in to the call and moved forward with what God revealed to me that he wanted me to do. Uh, Beyond that, it was God enabled me every step of the way to do his good pleasure. And I know that for a fact. I can't count the number of times where I told God I've done all that I can and he needs to move me on to something else and find somebody else to take over from here. And it's not false modesty. Again, as I tell you, I can't tell you a number of times where I told God there's got to be somebody better to do this than me. And I mean that. That's come out of my mouth uh, to God more than once. I will tell you very honestly, folks, I don't even see myself as a pastor because I don't feel that I have what it takes to be that a pastor and take on that title. 
And every time I protested to God, every time I told him this is not my calling, I can't do this. Every time I had a thought like that or said something like that, God's response was to enable me to continue to do what he called me to do. (laughs) Every time I have a thought like that now or speak words like that now, God agrees with me and then does what he wants to do through me. God says to me, you know what? I know you can't do it, Sabaka. I get it. So just shut up and let me do it through you. (laughs) And that has worked every time. That's worked every time. I guarantee it, based upon what Paul says in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 13, you'll experience the exact same thing if you will surrender to his will and his purpose for your life. If God begins a work in you, which he's trying to, if you'll let him, when God begins that work in you, it is a guarantee that if we will stay faithful, God will complete that work. Amen. And if he starts it, he's going to finish it if you'll let him do it. The fact that God started it is the guarantee that God will finish it. Now, for Abraham, that work began when he encountered God in the land of Ur. I read it to you a few minutes ago. And the rest of the book of Genesis is nothing more than God completing that plan that he started Abraham, completing it through him. That's what the book of Genesis really is all about. So, believer, I want to tell you, God has a unique purpose for you. And that's not just preacher words. That's the truth. God has a unique purpose for your life. God has a unique call upon you that he has put on you, and he put that on you before the world began. He called you to this. And we can have absolute confidence that he'll complete what he has purposed if we'll be obedient as Abraham was to his call. Now, I want to give you an example of that because it's always good to have examples. If you want an example of that, we, have, we look no further than to the Lord Jesus Christ and how he dealt with his disciples. Uh, Jesus Christ made a commitment to his disciples, to those 12 men who chose to follow him. I want you to turn to John chapter 13, if you would. John chapter 13. Here is the best example I can give you of how God does this, completes this purpose, if we'll be obedient to him. What Jesus Christ did with those disciples, he committed himself to loving them until the end. He committed himself to completing in them what he had started in them. And even as Jesus Christ was living his final days and making his way to the cross, that commitment remained. Uh, John chapter 13, look at verse 1. It says, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. Jesus Christ committed himself to those men until the end, and Jesus Christ completed that by loving them unto the end. And what Jesus Christ was able to do as he did that is teach those disciples principles that they would operate by when he left them and they continued their ministry on earth without him. And these are the same principles God taught Abraham and were the principles that allowed Abraham to accomplish the work that God called him to do. What are those principles? Turn to John chapter 15. John chapter 15 and look at verse 16. John chapter 15 verse 16. It says this, ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain. That whatsoever you shall ask of the father in my name, he may give it you. Each of these principles that Jesus Christ taught his disciples are found in that verse. Look at the words first. Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you. Here's the first principle. The work that began in the disciples began by the Father's initiative. He started the work. Hold your hand there in John 15. Go to John 17. Just a couple of pages over. John chapter 17. Look at verse 6. 
John 17, 6, I have manifested thy name unto the men. He's, this is Jesus Christ talking to the Father in, in his prayer before the uh, cross. I have manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. That's his disciples. Thine they were, and thou gavest them me, and they have kept thy word. Now they have known that all things whatsoever thou hast given me are of thee. For I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I came out from thee, and they have believed that thou didst send me. What's clear here is that God gave the disciples to Jesus Christ in order to fulfill his purpose in those disciples. God gave those disciples to Jesus Christ so God's purpose could be fulfilled. Everything those disciples accomplished occurred because God started the work from the very beginning. That's the first principle. The second principle, go back to John 15 again. John 15, 16 again. Notice the words in the middle of that verse, Go and bring forth fruit. The second principle that's foundational to the work the apostles did is that God had a clear purpose in calling the disciples. He had a clear purpose in calling them. God's purpose in the work that he called them to was that they might bear fruit to his glory. That was the purpose. The disciples simply needed to submit themselves to the plan of the Father and that purpose would be accomplished. If they would simply submit themselves, uh, he would do a work through them that they could never achieve on their own. And in fact, as a result of their submission to the Father's plan, uh, Acts 17.6 tells us, I love this verse, the disciples turned the world upside down for Jesus Christ. (laughs) I like that. Turned the world upside down for Jesus Christ. You know why I like that so much? Because all those fellows did was cooperate with the plan of God. And they turned the world upside down. What that means is, if we have a group of people in this church who will commit themselves to the purpose God has for them, this church can turn their world upside down for Jesus Christ. You can turn Stark County upside down. You can turn Canton, Ohio, Masson, Ohio, upside down for Jesus Christ. If, you, if we will just submit to the plan of God and follow through on what he's called us to. Because that's all the disciples did. They submitted the plan and God followed through by working through them. And that's what occurred as a result of that. Any person who responds to God's plan can affect their world in the same way the disciples did. All right, look at the verse again. And notice the words, and that your fruit should remain. Here's the third principle. The work that God called them to had an an eternal quality to it. Had an eternal quality to it. Whatever the disciples did, the Bible says there, Jesus Christ says, would remain. In other words, the work that they did would have an effect on time and would also have an effect on all of eternity. Nothing that they allowed God to do through them would ever be lost. Now, folks, God may call you to what you see as a very mundane and very ordinary work. You may see what God has to call you to do as something very basic and something very ordinary. But if God is working through us, then the work he does through us will be an eternal work. It may be nothing more than sweeping the floor here. (laughs) But if God's called you to that, that's an eternal work. God is using that to do something else as a result of it. And I believe that with all my heart. There is no work that God calls us to that is ordinary. We may see it that way. God says, I'm going to impact eternity through what you do as you fulfill the purpose I called you to. Now, as we look at the life of Abraham, we see a clear demonstration of these principles because Abraham experienced the full activity of God in his life. Abraham learned this, that when God takes the initiative and we cooperate with his purpose, God brings to completion everything that he's purposed to do through us. I'm going to have you turn to the book of Revelation, if you would. 
Now look at Revelation chapter 1. Now these verses I'm going to read to you tonight, you're going to look at tonight, are really not verses we consider uh, to be applicable to the work of God. We see this rather as being applicable to the nature of Jesus Christ and uh, being described in that way. But I think there's much more to it than that. Look at uh, Revelation chapter 1 and look at verse 8. Notice it says there, Jesus Christ speaking, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty. Drop down to verse 11. Saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. Now, when we read those verses, like I say, we interpret them as Jesus Christ describing himself as he exists in time and also as he exists in eternity. And that is an accurate interpretation of those verses. But I believe those two verses also apply to every work that God does. With every work of God that is done, God initiates the work and God completes the work. God is alpha of the work and God is omega of the work. God is the beginning of the work and the ending of the work. God is the first of the work and the last of the work. Whenever God starts to work in us and we are obedient to that work, God complete, God will complete that work. He is the beginning of it and God is also the end of it. Never fear that if God begins a work in you, that somehow it won't accomplish something. And never fear that it won't accomplish exactly what God wants it to accomplish. If it is God's work, and if we obey him in that work, the results that God wants to accomplish from that work will be accomplished every time. Amen. All God wants from you again is a willing heart. If you'll be obedient to it, God will accomplish the work. Listen to me. It is not our concern what the results are or how they're accomplished. Because we're in this society where, you know, looking for all these results and we need to, to see, you know, growth and all this kind of thing, which is all, all well and good. However, we get so focused on that that we somehow believe that we have to do that. That in order for work to be of any validity, that we've got to see some positive, some great result from it. The fact is, folks, God does not want you worrying about the result. He wants you doing the work. That's all he asks. He'll take care of the results, and if he starts the work and you cooperate with the work, the end of that work will be exactly what God wants it to be. Simply allow God to do his work through you, and the rest is completely up to him. Amen. Now, if we have any doubt about that at all, it's good that we're conducting this study of, of the life of Abraham, because he is a perfect example of that principle. In Genesis chapter 12 and verse 2, Abraham sa God says to Abraham, I'll make of thee a great nation. And I will bless thee and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. In Genesis 22:12, God tells Abraham that in blessing I will bless thee, and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of the heaven, and as the sand which is upon the seashore, and thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies. And by the end of the book of Revelation, and as we continue on through the other four books of Moses there, we see those promises fulfilled exactly as God said they would be. God started the work in Abraham, and God ended the work in Abraham. And by the way, the work of Abraham is not done yet. Amen. It's still in process. Right. Fascinating to me how history unfolds, and you see God's hand on it even today. I was listening to a lost commentator talking about this issue going on over in the Middle East right now. And what this lost commentator said was, why are they trying to get rid of Israel? They'll never get rid of Israel. They'll always be there. And this guy is a lost heathen. I mean, this guy is an agnostic atheist. <laughs> and he says, just from his own picture of how things are going, they'll never get rid of that. They might as well stop attacking because they're never going to get rid of them. You know what that is? That's the work of Abraham today. <laughs> God is still fulfilling that work. God's going to complete it because God said that he would. And because Abraham was obedient to it, God's going to finish the work. 
just like he said he would. And God had, rather, Abraham had nothing whatsoever to do with that fulfillment. He's not even here now. But the fulfillment is occurring because he was faithful and obeying God when God brought the calling to him. God started the work. God will finish the work because that's how God works. It's all of God. Now, Paul gives us Abraham as an example of a believer living in the church age. If that's the case, then why would not God do the same thing with us that he did with Abraham? If God started the work in Abraham and God is finishing the work with Abraham because Abraham was faithful, then if God starts a work in us and we're faithful to him, why would God not also finish the work with us as well? Folks, he will. He will. If we'll be cooperative and obedient, he will finish that work. Whatever he wants to accomplish will be accomplished if we simply, as the old song says, trust and obey. (laughs) Just trust and obey and God will complete the work that he starts. I'm going to take you to one more passage if I could. Go to Isaiah chapter 46. Isaiah chapter 46. There are places throughout the book of Isaiah where God speaks like this. And I I enjoy every time I read this because of the way God presents himself. But in terms of what we're looking at tonight, I think these verses especially apply. So Isaiah chapter 46, look at verse 9. Isaiah chapter 46, verse 9. And this flies in the face of every person you know who's agnostic, who says that God has no impact, that God isn't real, and all the rest of it. Watch what God says here. Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is none else. <laughs> I am God and there is none like me, declaring from the end, uh, declaring the end from the beginning, and from ancient times the things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. Calling a ravenous bird from the east, the man that executeth my counsel from a far country. Yea, I have spoken it. I will also bring it to pass. I have purposed it. I will also do it. I love that. <laughs> that just presents God in all of his glory and all of his confidence. <laughs> Amen. Now, I'm going to give you a statement that's true because God's word says it. If you're seeking for God to do a work through you, if that is your heart's desire for God to do some work through you, you're going to know when God starts that work. You're not going to be uh, wondering if God's doing a work through you. You're not going to be guessing if God is working in your life in some way or another. If, God, if the God of Isaiah chapter 46, verses 9 through 11, begins to work in you, you're going to know it. How do I know that? Because he says, I am God, there's none else. I declare from the end things from the beginning. I declare the ancient times things that are not yet done. So when God starts to work in you, his counsel will stand and he will do all his pleasure. And if that God is working in you, you're going to know it. Not going to be any second guessing about it. I have folks say, I wonder if this is from God. I wonder if this is what God wants me to do. Well, if you don't know, then it's not God. Because if it's God, you're going to know it. If God is of God of Isaiah 46, 9 through 11 is doing the work, how in the world could we not know it? You're going to know it. And so if we feel led in a particular way, if we feel drawn to a particular ministry or a particular work, the first step is, is to pray fervently and consistently to ask God if this is his leading. And once you do that, you've put yourself in the way of God's work. And I will tell you, folks, I guarantee you on the basis of the word of God, if you'll ask God, is this where you want me to go? And your heart is desiring to do only his will. His answer will be unmistakable. You'll know it. If that's his work, he'll push you through it. And if it's not his work, he'll direct you away from it. Don't ever worry that you're going to get on a wrong path if you're seeking the will of God with true faith and full trust. He'll show you his will. 
If we consider the, the work that God did in Genesis chapter 12, here's the question. Who is it that initiated that work in Abraham's life? Who started that? Well, was it Abraham deciding he was going to take the necessary steps to become a great nation? Uh, that was not it at all. It was clear from the very beginning that God initiated the work. And Abraham was so close to God and knew God well enough that when God made that call to him, he knew that it was God. He knew how important it was to obey God. And so he set his heart and his life to do that. Abraham did not have to assess his qualifications. He didn't have to decide if he was worthy of God's call. He simply simply immediately and full-heartedly obeyed what God said. So, as we close, here's the question. Where is your heart today, believer? Where's your heart? Are you seeking God's initiatives in your life? Is your heart prepared? Listen to me. Is your heart prepared to respond to him when he calls you? Are you seeking that call? or Are you distracted by other things that pull you away from the call of God upon your life? Are you willing to go no matter where he directs? I'm not talking about necessarily going overseas. I'm not talking about going to some deep, dark place somewhere. I'm asking you, if God directs you to go across the street and talk to that neighbor, are you willing to go? If that's where he calls you to, is that where you're willing to go? Wherever he takes you, are you willing to follow him as he leads you? If God suddenly came up with a purpose for you, I mean, out of the blue, this purpose suddenly shows up. Are you ready to respond immediately to that thing? Or the things you've got to take care of first? Uh, I read, I, I guess it was a friend of mine years ago who said, if a person truly wants to serve God, they need to serve God with a packed suitcase. <laughs> well, I like that, you know. Serve God with a packed suitcase so when he calls you somewhere, you don't have to worry about packing. You're ready to go. <laughs> and I'm talking about a packed suitcase literally and also figuratively. Be packed and ready to go so when God calls you, you can respond immediately to him. If we want to be used by God, folks, we must be willing Right now, right this moment, to release our lives to him. Amen. Not waiting to pray about it. Not waiting for God's leading in it. We need to be ready right now to respond if God calls us. We need to release our lives to him in faith and love and obedience so that when he calls us, we are ready to have his eternal purpose revealed in us and not only revealed on us, but accomplished through us. And if we'll do that, God will use us. And if this church will do that, God will use this church in remarkable ways. That's all it takes. Just let God do the work. Now, on the back of your outline, again, as we had last time, there are questions for you. Uh, so I would encourage you, and I realize it's going to be a couple of weeks, probably about three weeks before we're back together again to do this. So you've got lots of time to do it. Don't lose the outline. Chain it to yourself somehow. Tape it to your forehead, whatever. But hold on to that. And next time we get together, as we did tonight, we'll go through some of these questions and see how God is interacting with you in this study. Let's stand.